honestly, they had porn. Like, you know, Blockbuster oh, yeah. didn't have porn. And the, that was the probably... beaded curtain. lifetime since we've been doing this podcast because this is episode 100 damn of gearbuds podcast you got the tambo out today <laughs> i figured for the 100th episode you know. wow that's great uh yeah here we are it's celebrate Dude. man can't it's, believe uh, it it's just the two of us doing a duo cast here today damn right and the way uh, it started the way it started and you know we we started together in single digits and then we jumped into double digits for a uh, 90 91 or so and then uh here we are man double yeah digits this is it man episode 100 dude i love do it. you think we're gonna do you, here's the real question do you think we're gonna make it to, to quadruple digits why not i mean i don't see why all right not, you know fuck it Let's keep this, keep just, this fun train like rolling decade or two of content right there <laughs> And uh, I mean, that's that's I, I hope that, frankly, I hope podcasts still exist uh, by that. Point, oh, God. You know? Yeah, that's uh, if, if we really do it once a week for the next. Uh, what would that be? Nine hundred years. Nine hundred weeks. Years. Jesus. <laughs> In the meantime, not only are we going to figure out this whole pandemic thing, we're also going to solve uh, eternal life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm Actually, no, that. I don't think so. I don't know if Eternal Life. That doesn't sound all that great. I don't know if Eternal Life. I'd rather have a time machine. I'd rather just to jump jump ahead and see. Let's just stuff, do the but. time machine thing, and we'll we'll go back and see all the all the best concerts we wanted to go see and and everything like that. Love it. I love it. Well, man, I'm uh, happy to happy to do this hundred episodes. Let's do hundred more. Me too. Uh, let's start the let's start this one here and dive into something we call the Symphony of Corrections. And here is your weekly reminder. That cables are tone tubes. They're a baby all grown up. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Thank you so much for being here with us through 100 episodes. If you if you have you if you've been here with us from the beginning, we know that there are some of you, and, and I'm not just talking about you, Stingray. Uh, <laughs> give us a shout. Let us know how yeah. many of these have you how many how many of these you listened to. And, and even if think? you went back and started like later, you know, and if you went back to one and listened to all of them, that that's cool too. You know, I like that. Man, I gotta tell you, it's weird. I when people said so that j- literally just happened to me this morning. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a single man, and I'm oftentimes on the old dating apps, and uh, <laughs> and someone and, and and oftentimes people will tell me that they listen to things. Not oftentimes, sometimes. And someone told me this morning that they are like, oh yeah, I already basically went back and stalked you and listened to an episode, and I was no like, way. oh, that's awesome. And, I, and 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 I was like, well, how did you pick? They was just like, I don't know. I went back, and I was like, well, which one did you choose? And they chose the previous anniversary episode, which was like. You know the the one year anniversary that we did or whatever, oh yeah fifty so like fifty something ago mm-hmm. and I was like well you know on the one hand I'm a little embarrassed because I I don't really have much of a filter with this show and I say stupid stuff all the time sure uh, and I and I've documented that on the internet for anyone to see uh, but yeah on the other side of the token it's like she 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 still messaged me after she listened so it couldn't have been that bad couldn't have been that um, bad my point is that there's a lot of these episodes and we've said a lot of stuff in them and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Thanks for being here uh, still to this day. And if, again, if you are, let us know. We'd like yeah. to hear from you. That's uh, that's awesome. If you uh, haven't already, follow us on Instagram at Gearbuds Podcast uh, and on Facebook, also at Gearbuds Podcast. Uh, subscribe on Spotify and Apple and all the places where you do the stuff. Also, if you're there, why not just like, I don't know, leave us a leave us a little review. We've done 100 of these MFers. Uh, yeah. You can tell us if you think we suck or not. I, I'm fine with that. They've been entirely positive reviews so far so uh, i say why not take the opportunity to give us our first real hard neggy out there yeah hit us up maybe we'll change and maybe we won't i don't know i or maybe it'll just drive us further into the horrible habits and tendencies that we have already <laughs> exactly all right let's get into friends of the show here which i'm i we don't have anything new for free stuff this week there's been sort of a i don't know if it's on me or on the world i just haven't had much free stuff but i did okay. i did clean it up so there's there's still stuff up there there's plenty of shit for you to check out but um i've just been dumping friends of the show under there because you know why not love it uh and i want to talk real quick about we didn't we haven't gotten into yet the gibson murphy lab Ooh. Uh, which is which is a thing that was announced a week or two ago and we've been busy and had other things on our plates here uh so why not tom murphy f- famous acclaimed builder from gibson in their custom shop yeah. you know if you hear about something ha- before this murphy aged was this sort of thing that came with hushed tones you know it's like they're it, it's almost it's almost to the point of beyond desirability of, of many vintage instruments or these murphy aged gibsons well anyways yeah price wise uh, especially <laughs> 
and that yeah, absolutely, and in, in fact, often surpassing. Well, now through the Gibson's Custom Shop in Nashville, there's this Murphy Lab where he, along with a team, are now not not in any sort of massive way, but in a much more largely available way than they ever had before, are making these uh, crazy high end custom shop guitars. Which I don't know. The more when I think about it, and I hadn't really totally considered this, but it almost sort of feels like like the master cl- uh, like um master builders yeah. uh, from Fender, right? right? Like it's almost almost in that sort of same not not quite to the like a la carte nature that you can customize everything Where it's but w- just literally one of, guy building your entire right, thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's more about the sort of attention to detail and also being maybe a, a slight elevation from even what you could get from a custom shop guitar to begin with. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's and, and, all about the aging and the and they've got these proprietary techniques and I'm not even going to pretend to begin to know anything about how they how they yeah that's one thing i will say i I tried to do a little research and i haven't found much online as far as like talking about the process of how they age some of the stuff because you can go on and you can find about fender custom shop and they'll they'll openly tell you like how they age and how they um you know i'm sure they have some secrets that they keep but you know how they do the paint and how they really um can can relic it and you know, yeah, I would love to stuff. learn more about that, and and I, it doesn't seem I don't know I'm not sure it's the matter necessarily of necess- of of in, of intentionally hiding things or being like no that, no know? I think it's more so just it could it could very easily be just more a matter of teaching how to grab the neck and feel it in a certain way that you can't really get any way other than repetition I don't I have no idea. I'd love to learn more about it, and I'm excited about it because I think that I, having played some Murphy Tom Murphy, age have you played some? At, I was going to ask at you, CME. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're great. They feel awesome, and sure. I would, and I think it would be dope to have more of those on the world. Now that said, uh, when you go through the price list, I think the cheapest one's somewhere in like the seven grand range. So yeah. it's uh, not going to be the most accessible instruments in the world. But if you've got the means, I, I don't know. I think we're I think we have a pretty healthy relationship with with the price of instruments on this show here. You know, we re- we respect the fact that some things are worth more than others. Right? Yes. Yes. We also talk about it and we debate it quite a bit too. Um, That's right. Yeah. So, you so know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, just because it's seven grand, it's shit. I'm maybe it is, but yeah. uh, I don't. I, I'm not going to say it is just because it costs that much. That's, I think that's goofy. I think people listening by now probably know that, like, you know, I think we've expressed, at least me personally, you know, if I, if I had ten thousand dollars to spend on a guitar, I don't think I would buy a, a custom shop or a brand new guitar. That's just me personally. I would I would look for something old and worn. Yeah. No, we both tend to be on the vintage side of things. Yeah. But that does. But that doesn't mean we're closed off to. The no, and that doesn't either. mean these are. Uh, bad quality, right? I mean, these, you know, look, a lot, there's a lot of people that grew up playing uh, 58 Les Pauls, you know, when they were kids and they, they would tell you that half of them were junk or something. Exactly. You know? So um, there's always that. And I think, uh, yeah. I, I, to be fair, I've never heard that about a 58, maybe not uh, a 58 Les Paul. I know Fenders know. <laughs> people talk, people have talked a lot of crap about Fenders, even oh, pre CBS stuff. I, you know? I have. I have um, on this show that I, you know, yeah. I, the, and some of those CME videos, right, right, the, you and because these ones and yeah. yeah, some fifty stress, and I did purely because they were fifty stress, not because they played well. In fact, right. for the most part, I, and this is more about my hands than anything else. I would probably pick something like an Ultra that has a compound radius fretboard and like a faster, skinnier neck. Like I, that's just more about me than than the guitar, you know. And I, I will, I will add this to the uh, to the Gibson thing. It's funny that we're talking about this today, and on the hundredth episode. I think um, one way that I look back at uh, from when we first started this podcast, I didn't know anything about Gibsons, and I, I mean, I know a little bit. I know what the yeah. Les Pauls are. You know, I know the, the body sh- shapes and all that fun stuff. And uh, I know they were kind of like a more prestige guitar than Fender. Um, but I would say. I am like head over heels for Gibson right now. And I stayed up till like two in the morning looking at Les Paul's last night. Um, still haven't purchased an SG, still haven't purchased a Les Paul, but I'm looking and oh, we can dude, get into you know it later, I, but prices this is are, so funny. are out of control right now. I so. haven't, I, I've been shitty and I, I've been, I don't know, for a number of reasons we can talk about off their personal stuff, but I just haven't been great at responding to all the text messages I get or messages I get in my life all the time these past few days. And anyways, I got one. Uh, from our friend Kevin, a listener of the show, also a future guest, the SVT guy, Uphill Recording, he told me, uh, he sent me a, or a listing to an SG on Reverb and was like, yo, I just wanted to say, like, Dave has to check these SGs out. Okay. They're my favorite. I've had them. Like, they're, they're, they're the best value for the money. Guess which one it is? Which one? It's the SG Classic that I have and is, you know, my first baby guitar and like oh, the, yeah. the one with the P90s and from the from the early 2000s. The neck with binding like my, with my, dots, right? My, ex, the, it's literally the exact same guitar that is my first Gibson that I have just like loved and adored for years. And they, they it call so it the funny. SG Classic? It's called an SG Classic, yeah, because it's, it's basically 
like the the Pete Townsend or Robbie Krieger, it's right. a, what, which would have been called a special, uh, probably at the time. Uh, with the yeah those those two those two P nineties, but man, it's it, the the reason that I like the the even the SG Classic better is that it has the stop tail and uh, you know Nashville style bridge. It's not just like the wrap over okay. kind of deal like it would have been back in the day. Either way, I just thought it was hilarious that like you know we all know you're on this SG kick right now. Yeah, and then he texted me to be like, "Yo, this is the one Dave should get," and then it's already the one that like literally last week I told you you could borrow. Yeah, you're like you, you can borrow it if you want to like, play around with it yeah. for a little. That's cool. Well, maybe I'll take you up on that and then see you if should. that is the one. Now you. Know me, prices have li- prices have been creeping up on those things, dude. It's crazy, but I I have been checking out the standards because um, I I oh, yeah. really love like I I kind of thought of it this way because I already have a Strat and I was like, well, if I want to get Got like singles a, a fancy Gibson, I want to go all out with all the accoutrements, you know, and all of mm. the uh, the little the jingles and jangles, and I I love the you know the big tailpiece on it, which you know arguably you know works or doesn't, you know. With, oh, they don't. But yeah, they look so cool. they look badass though. So I'm kind of like, man. You know, something about just like keeping that in, you know, and having the nice hard case. And I mean, everything. I, I hear you, but like the dude, I mean, if you're, and we've talked about this to, to, to no end, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, if you're talking about the tuxedo, I mean, it's got to be the custom then at that point, right? Like, right. you know, get the, get the, the, the headstock binding with yep. the, with the, th- maybe even with the three pickups, which I know how oh, sexy you find that. Dude, I do love the three pickups, but, but like you, I had a guitar with three pickups once, the Bradford, and it like I would always just I would always nail the strings because yep. I strum too hard. I would nail the strings on the, uh, and I like yeah. low action, so yeah, <clears> it's it a was functionality just, thing, man. It really is, but yeah, no, you're talking custom, and I'm I'm hearing you, man, because that they have a oh who is it, man? It's uh, uh I forget the name, uh the Kirk the Kirk model um, SG. And it's got the three. Oh, the Captain Kirk. Yeah, the Kirk Douglas. Kirk uh, Douglas. That's Captain what I'm, Kirk. Yeah, that's model. what I'm I think of. it's just Captain Kirk signature, whatever they call it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, totally. Those, those, are, those are badass. Those have been popping up left and right on Reverb right now. And I saw a blemished one for like under 2000 and I clicked on it and it was already sold. So I was just like, yeah. Dude, I tell uh, you what, just pop that middle pickup out, leave it empty, maybe throw a firecracker in there. Ooh. Got, your, got yourself a little Ace Freely SG. Ooh, I like it, man. A little smoke bomb in there. A little smoke bomb action. <laughs> Get wild, yeah. We just fucking we got those stimmies, dog. Just throw those around, dude. Stimmies, yeah. This is this is gonna be the, the this is this is gonna be the stimmy burning a hole in our gear. Oh, uh, this, this and and we already started off with Gibson talk, so you know this is not good for me right now. If I don't oh, have a Gibson gonna, by Monday, you should be surprised and say, be, you know congratulate what, my restraint. This is great. I'm glad this already happened because I was planning on getting pr- more into just this this whole topic that we've been covering anyway. Yeah. So this is this is a great start, uh, <clears throat> and it's also however many 20 minutes into this and we're still like halfway through the symphony here, yeah. so let's keep pushing i've got a good touch and tips for you uh, for this is touch and tips with dave okay have you ever noticed like say on a usb cable or um you know other sort of like data cable that you'd plug into something so like n- near the near the plug uh there'll be that little like shell thing sometimes that's like bigger you know it's like maybe a cylinder that cl- it looks like it's sort of clamped onto the cable down near the end of the plug itself um, you know what I'm talking about like, like a, any USB cable where it's like there'll there'll sometimes I bet if you ha- if you looked at any of your USB cables right now you'd see that sometimes like just past the plug where you plug it in mm-hmm. to either either side there'll be this little like cylinder looking thing that it, you know it's maybe like made of hard plastic or yeah metal yeah no I'm looking at my like USB that. right now in my laptop yeah um, so you see that little thing right there with the coils kind of around it like we're right where it meets the cord right. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, right where it meets. Well, so there's like the coils, and that's this. That's like the connector. But then a little bit further past that, oftentimes on USB cables and other kinds of cables, you'll see just like an extra. It's like a little, a little cylinder-looking thing that mm-hmm. I've I've been seeing for years. And I never knew what it was. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you about what those are now, Dave, because I learned about them, and I feel like our <laughs> listeners would like to learn about them because I'm tired. I, you know what? I've realized more and more through other things going on that I just like the, I'm the sort of person in life where I just have to know what's going on. I don't like to just take things for granted. Um, so I wanted to know what was going on with those because I'd yep. always assume that it was some sort of like uh, electronic, uh, situation. I know exactly where, what you're like, talking about. It's like a barrel almost like a barrel, halfway, yeah. like, uh, not halfway down the cable, but, but yeah, farther like just, from just past the, the connector. Yeah. I always and, wondered that too. Uh, I just thought it meant like it was some heavy duty cable or something like that. That's I, I thought a lot of different things, but it turns out th- those are called ferrite beads. Okay. What is a ferrite bead? Ferrite is a ceramic material made by mixing and firing large portions of iron oxide, which we know as rust blended with small proportions of another metallic element, such as strontium bearing, manganese nickel or zinc and what they are are basically f- physical filters 
that we attach to our cables that filter out high frequency noise. No shit. Yeah, so they, they basically the, there are a lot of different names for this. Uh, it can be called an EMI suppressor or a choke or uh, a ferrite choke, EMI choke. But basically, high frequency noise. Either it can happen. The, the nice thing about them is that they can work both ways. So either when you're when you're using that cable, it can either act as an antenna and bring in electronic interference. Okay. Or the device that you're using can be generating electronic interference that you're amplifying. So it can either bring it in or push it out. In other words, and these ferrite beads or the barrel, whatever you want to call it, actually filter that for us. So they're they're really they're noise suppressors. They're they're passive noise suppressors that they're low pass filters basically because they're cutting out high frequency noise right. that convert RF interference into heat. And it also turns out that different ferrites respond to different specific frequencies. So if like you you know you've got this USB keyboard or whatever, and the manufacturer realizes that like oh I'm accidentally generating this this noise real up high that you hear is like a weird high pitched squeal sure. or whatever, boom, clamp a ferrite bead on the cable that they sell it with you, cuts it right out. So you can buy ferrite beads on their own and, and attach them because I was looking around right now. I have you three sure three USBs in my line of sight right now, and none of them have that. So I wonder yeah. if I should, especially the one that's hooked up to my focus, right? I should, I should add one just for if you, good measure. If you hear noise. Uh, I don't hear noise, but maybe just know. for good measure. Maybe it's a better thing. To and have it's it possible that focus, right? Designed it, uh, to avoid that specific thing. But, uh, I was just looking around cause I've got all huh. these different USB cables and I was like, why do some of these have this and some don't? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's all about, it's all about noise suppression. I did not friend. know that, man. You really, you really, uh, introduced me to something new. I, yeah, I always, I've seen those before and they're, you know, they're, yeah. I don't say I don't think they're on the majority of cables that I have, but I have seen those, and I was always just like, "Oh, that's just like a more high quality cable or something." I Maybe was just like, is. "Well, why would I want to use this versus the other one? Is it doing something bad versus another one? Like, right. is it? Does it have? I didn't know if it had some sort of you know resistor network in there for some specific reason, but no, it's just like hunks of metal basically uh, that that specifically filter out some some noise for us. So wow, yeah, all right, beads, man. That's been uh, touching tips with Dave. And I'm Henry. I love it, man. It's getting a bad fucking idea. Is GFI BFI here? Uh, Ooh, I mean, I mean, we got a lot of a lot of stuff this week. Uh, first, good idea. I just want to say that, like, how exciting is it about the vaccines happening in this country and yep. more people getting out and safe? We're and, moving, uh, and and you know, here we're, we shoot in Chicago. Obviously, we live here. Uh, it was announced in our state that anybody over the state of sixteen, despite any sort of you know, it doesn't matter about your pre-existing conditions or anything, we're going to start being able to get on mid-April. So awesome. that's amazing. I'm so fucking excited. I can't wait until everybody has that opportunity and we can start opening up the world again man just oh, like yeah. feeling good about shit uh this was this is neither i mean i guess it's bad in some ways but good in other ways but i saw this actually uh good friend and former guest dan lou uh, sent me a video the other day to the steve Vai video for um he has I, I don't know if the record's out yet or he just put out a single but he had this new song called knapsack okay and it, and it, the video is him playing this song that is just like Insane. I mean, it's Steve Vai, you know, it's, yeah. it's like full on Steve Vai shredding, tasty, but shredding. And it, you don't notice maybe right away, but then you see he's got these like, uh, uh, braces or sort of like wraps on his wrists. And it turns out he's been having this, like some, some bad wrist and hand health shit going on and like might've even had surgery. Anyways, long story short, like a carpal he plays tunnel this, surgery or something. Maybe I don't know what it was exactly. Yeah. Um, but he plays the entire song and I'm talking something beyond anything that I could ever play only with his left hand. His right hand is behind the guitar the entire time. And he plays everything, every single note as hammer ons from nowhere. But it's dude, I'm telling you, it sounds like just the best guitar player ever playing with two hands right i like i it's stunning if it wasn't honestly and i said this to dan if it was not a steve Vai video i would call bullshit i would say this is oh, fake yeah. and that no one can actually do this but, but if you just I heard it too that if you is, just heard the audio without seeing if i just it. heard it, i'd be like oh yeah this is just like a, an awesome guitar part right. with two hands playing but you, then you, you i watch it and i was stunned i was utterly shocked my mouth open like no Holy shit shit dude i gotta it's, watch this you have to watch it uh, and, and he just like sort of holds the, you see, kind of help. And even like he does whammy bar stuff with his one hand. Like he keeps his right hand he's a, in a sling behind the body of the guitar the whole time. Dude, it's fucking crazy. I can't even believe it. I love it. So that's all sort of good and also sort of bad. But then also from this, um, I learned about this thing. 
uh, again, not really sure how to feel about this, called the Sonus guitar chair that he talks about. That is this like two to $3,000 chair that is su- su- somehow made like specifically for guitar players that I think his quote was, he said that it feels like you're, you're like the, it's like you're, you're the wood melts to your butt like butter or something like that. <laughs> okay. I don't remember exactly, but supposedly Steve. that there, there, and, and I have noticed this, you know, we've talked about a good guitar chair in the past, yeah, you know, and how have. heartbroken I was when the previous relationship I was in ended and uh, the girl took back her chair. That mm-hmm. was my fucking favorite guitar chair. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, spending three, like, maybe it comes back to the sort of like vintage versus new thing, but like spending $3,000 specifically just for a guitar chair, feels a little a little strange to me to but us maybe if you yeah can order it if, or if you can afford it then maybe that's a different thing you know what's funny do you ever watch in like um when they do interviews with guys let's say it's like a really famous let's say it's like eric clapton or something you know and they're doing an interview with him and he's got his guitar because sometimes they hold their guitars in the interview and they'll play a little bit and stuff and it's, it's always funny to me when they when they um when they just plop them down in like a whatever chair i just feel like oh, it's right. kind of like you're like this is wait one of the greatest guitar players in the world couldn't you guys get him like a nicer chair to sit in? You know? Or yeah, or just like an Epiphone stool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like some kind of stool. <laughs> but like, but you look she? and it's like a rocking chair or something. And you're like, wait, what is <laughs> with this? arms? Yeah. yeah, with arms, and he's kind of like awkwardly like sitting. I always thought that was kind of funny, um, especially funny. with those really high up guys like that. But uh, so Steve Vai, you know, he he's onto something there with that with that chair. I'll Dude, have to see. He is. I'll and have you to just got to watch that video. And I also want to, you know, I'm sure he's listening to this. Obviously, yeah. so what's up, Steve? We wish you uh, good health, mm-hmm. and also thank you for being kind to me the one time that we interacted. And also, uh, you rip, bro. So yeah. that's uh, that's been Steve I News. Uh, oh, here's one. Uh, this is just this is definitely BFI. Uh, Line Six announced a product recall, like a pretty big one. Oh no. Their G10, which is a hugely popular wireless system, I would imagine they're most popular because it's sort of most affordable, a good one, or higher end one, I guess. Uh, any of them made since 2016 are recall right now Ooh. because they're fucking catching on fire. Oh no! So yeah, if you've got one of those and you haven't seen the recall yet, you should definitely do something yeah, about definitely that because I don't that. want you to catch um, your stuff. And on they're fire. replacing the units, I would assume, or. Yeah, I don't have one, so I didn't click through that far, yeah. but I did read the thing, and I was like, yo, if you, this is bad. I always wondered about that, stuff. man, because you hear about like cell phones that overheat in your pocket and blow up and stuff like that. And, and I mean, a wireless system is going to have a similar type of battery on it. You know, It's going to heat oh, totally. up. And, um, wow. Yeah. Uh, as long as we're in the BFI, just keep it going a little bit. We had a couple a couple deaths to mention. Uh, cassette tape inventor uh, Lou Ottens died at age oh, 94. Really? but. Um, also, you just mentioned to me Paul Jackson, uh, unfortunately, yeah, passed away recently. Yeah, most notably uh, played with um, amazing Herb, solo bass yeah, player. But played with uh, Herbie Hancock, and if you guys haven't listened to Thrust by Herbie Hancock, it's uh, it's Dude, it's only you, a, that's so funny. It's a four song little EP record thing, and it's it's absolutely amazing. So uh, see, you mentioned that, and I know that that's your favorite. But I, you know, I went I, I went back and listened to Headhunters just because that oh, was all, that was always my record. You know, yeah. Uh, that's him so, like yeah. he's playing on like uh does that one have chameleon on it or that yep. might be yeah okay and uh, i think watermelon man may, may be on that one i yeah, can't remember it's... I, was, I actually wound up listening to a bunch of herbie yesterday but nice uh, nice yeah. yeah but uh yeah he he had a lot of solo stuff too so r.i.p paul jackson yeah it's very rest sad. in peace um here's some good news uh apex twin i guess this is in between but apex twin one of my all-time favorite artists mm-hmm. I just sold an NFT uh, artwork for oh, 100, 100, 128 grand. Wow. Which, you know, of course, and that's just the first sale, which means that the price is only going to keep going up as more people right. sell it, right? Yep. Uh, that so is, it's, boy, it's that is really happening. caught on since And it's two not weeks even music. Our, it's our just, it's just art. And, and, you know, I've seen, I'm not going to say that, uh, I'm not going to say we caused anything because my ego is already big enough. I think oh, we definitely that, started the whole trend, I think, on our. No, two, but there were, here. I found a couple articles that were almost the exact outline of our <laughs> really? of our episode which now i'm not going to say i didn't also read a bunch and probably yeah. take inspiration from elsewhere as well but it, it was still pretty it was still uh, felt good that, to know that maybe some someone's checking our stuff well out. i will say uh you did a great job explaining it and if you guys haven't listened to episode 98 i think it was um yeah Go back and listen to, to Uncle Hank here uh, describe the uh, the process of NFTs and how they work. And I, I thought you did a good job of it, man. It made Thanks, sense man. to me. And I've actually now I've heard so much more about it on other podcasts and it's bleeding over into like more of a mainstream world. And I already feel like I, I understand it. So um, pretty cool shit. Oh, yeah. A uh, couple, one more good thing. Uh, I wanted to mention this a couple of weeks ago. Google launched this really fucking cool online music exhibition recently called music makers and machines okay and there is just 
all sorts of stuff in there. I mean, it truly is the best online museum experience I've ever gone through on a computer. You know, okay. like a lot of times they'll be like, oh, yeah, you can walk through whatever the Art Institute. And then it's like, yeah, it's OK, but whatever there. But there is something about this where they probably because they weren't trying to replicate a specific place. They had kind of their own freedom to create whatever they wanted it's just it's so badass Have Wait, to was check this it out, like but, that virtual synth thing you were kind of well that's one of the components of it they okay. released this this it's this like virtual environment where you can play with a, a handful it, it, it's not it's not the same thing as having all the instruments there of course but it's still a pretty full featured experience where you can throw a, a base a, sort of like a baseline synth like a tb and a drum machine and a couple different melodic synths and programs and melodies and stuff in there and then just like have them all play together and, and interact with each other mm. um wanted to bring that up because it's really badass music makers and machines you can obviously google it or we can post a link um to that because it was it was honestly you know I, I'm a I'm a an enthusiast already. I know lots of stuff about synths, but uh, it was deep enough that I could learn something. But yeah. I also know that anybody who doesn't even doesn't know a damn thing about it could go check it out and and not feel overwhelmed. Like it, it is beginner friendly as well. Oh, I love that. That's yeah. great. Oh, yeah, uh, last last BFI here, and this one is more of just kind of a a personal petty thing uh, because I wanted to to get this out there. But mm -hmm. I'm sure you, you maybe you've seen there's uh, the the dude from Mumford and Sons has been uh, in some hot water recently. Uh, it turns out he's uh, what's his name? Uh, I've got it written down here. I never known it before. Winston Marshall, the banjoist. I can't believe we're talking about the banjoist from a band I hate. Um, <laughs> I'm, more guess, a, I'm more of a I'm more of a Lumineers guy, so I don't know. <laughs> Well, so apparently he has some ties to the far right and Jordan Peterson and, and recently made some like pretty shitty statements online and stuff. And, um, and, the, and, and of course, the Internet being as it is uh, immediately jumped on him and he's like apologized and left the band and stuff. Um, he left but the I band? Guess, well, he's taken some time away, Oof. which you know, whatever that means. But um, my favorite part about this is, that, you know, I've just like I've always known that I hated Mumford and Sons. <laughs> I just didn't. I didn't know why, and and now it feels good to have it at least some underpinning the... justifying just like my random dislike for this like perfectly forgettable music. Oh man, what did he do? So, he's just he's like a, he like a, he just he. There's this dude Andy No who's like a. Uh, a, a pretty famous far right online person who's okay. uh, you know famously known for going to he basically is known for going to like uh, different protests and stuff and then like faking getting one of the things was he faked getting peppered pepper sprayed for attention and then got caught doing that and then oh, well, wow. recently he he wrote a book and and a lot of it is kind of um, very questionable uh, especially for liberal people uh the content in this book and he tweeted this stuff like calling the guy brave for writing this book and stuff and then people actually read the book and they're like oh dude there's a lot of really really weird racist stuff in this book like why are you calling him brave for writing it and uh, then he's like oh uh i shouldn't have done that i'm sorry uh i'm leaving mumford and sons now wow but which probably sure. means like hey uh get the fuck away from us because we don't want your stink all over us now too like we didn't tweet about well the band yeah i mean i would just i would assume that band is a little more just the way they look. I've never really listened to that much of it, but that they were more liberal or at least more like, you know, so to, so to hear that, it's kind of a shock actually. It was, it was kind of interesting, but um, you know, oh. fuck the Mumford and Sons or, or I guess fuck the old banjo player Mumford and Sons. They're going to have to get uh, but, a new uh, banjo player. That's they're going to have to get someone to a hey, a, a, a hey and banjoist. <laughs> and uh, with that, I find myself in a position where, and um, I was going to say for the hundredth time, it's not for the hundredth time. I'm just going to pretend it's for the hundredth time because okay. it's the hundredth episode. Now I want to say a hundred a few more times. Uh, I get to now say, my two favorite words that I get to say every single week, and those two words are Dave's Ducks. There it is. There it is. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do going into that, and I'm really happy with how it turned out. Yeah, no, it was great, man. I like I like the improv, and I like how you change it up a little bit every week. I okay, good. Uh, I'll stick with that. That's good. Yeah, we don't we don't need like a soundbite. We got to keep it fresh for the for the fans. What do you got uh, for us, dude? What do we got? I mean, here's the thing: a hundred episodes. You know, this is a big deal. I couldn't just. I had a few that I that I was thinking about, and then this popped up um, on my Googles and on your Googles. And I said, you know what? I said, Henry, Henry was going to like this probably way more than me because okay. I'm not that familiar with the artist. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure you've mentioned that you're a giant fan. Oh boy. And so I watched it for you so I could tell you about oh my it. God. 
and sell you on the idea that you need to watch it. And I'll probably reiterate a bunch of stuff that you already know. But I watched the Zappa documentary. You watched it? I watched it. Dude. It just came out in 2020. Yeah. Uh, It opens. (laughs) It's so good. It opens with him backstage. He's clearly older at this point. And he's he's talking to a couple other guys and he's like, he's like, you know, we'll just we'll start on a chord. I'll show you the chord and we'll all just play that chord. He goes and he goes, quote, it won't be professional. It'll just be music. And then they go into the opening credits and stuff. So it's kind of that's, you oh know, his whole to me. It, it, dude, he, the guy's a genius, man. It really I have instant FOMO, Dave. I want you to know this. Well, I'm really sad that I haven't watched this movie. Yet. Uh, I will say it's it's available not for free, but it's worth. No, the it's fi- four bucks, four dollar, four or five dollar HD rental on Amazon. Dude, yeah. just watch it. Um, it. You'll I mean, it's. Awesome, dude. And you'll, you'll you learn, learn so what, much what, more tell, about tell me, this Tell than me some me. stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, it, 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 here's the thing. It's a full, it runs the full gamut of a documentary that I like. They start with the childhood. You know, you get a background of like why he was so weird as a kid, uh, which he was. He never got into music until he was like a teenager. He, he started off, um, he got really into editing film between the ages of like, I think like, you know, they said he was like probably seven or eight years old until he was like 15. He was really into editing um, eight millimeter film that his parents had in the house. He would just edit it together and clip different pieces together and make it weird. And um, he got really into that. And then, uh, you know, his dad, his dad worked at like a nerve gas facility where they made like Zyklon B and like all this. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. It's like really weird. And so. Because of that, he had gas masks laying around like all over in the house everywhere. And like, you know, there's famous photos of him like holding gas masks and stuff. And so that's kind of like always been kind of his thing. He he, he was making explosives as a kid. Like he was a really weird um, kid before he got into music. And I mean, he's still, a weird he's a real, guy. <laughs> you know, definitely <laughs> not never guy. like a normal guy. But the genius, I think the the documentary really captured the genius of, uh, of Frank Zappa, man. Yeah. And it was just... You know, it really focuses on the early, um, you know, the early, mid, late 60s era, you know, where he first like the mothers and stuff. He first formed mothers in like 65, Mm -hmm. um, which I thought was so cool. And, you know, they were playing at the whiskey with like all the other bands at the time that were, you know, playing there within that whole L.A. scene and everything. And um, people had never heard anything like it, obviously, because he was doing these onstage antics and they would have dance uh, choreography and I guess apparently they would rehearse. He would make his band. First of all, his band wasn't like they like weren't friends with him. Like they were his band and they worked for him. Mm-hmm. And that was always the way it was. And I'm I'm sure I'm telling you so much stuff you already know. But to especially me, especially earlier on, it definitely yeah. he had some, you know, friendships and close ties with people as Oh yeah, no. Yeah, and, you're you're right. Absolutely. And they and they go on to say, you know, he always respected these people. He just didn't know how to show it. And they, you know, they have interviews with with a lot of the band members who were in his original lineup and stuff and um you know, but they would rehearse like eight to 12 hours a day and on the weekends that. and on yeah. Christmas, like it did not matter. They were rehearsing every single fucking day, which I thought was, was madness. You know, you hear about bands that did that. Like I know like the Grateful Dead, they would said those guys would rehearse like five, six hours a day and well, then go play. There's a, there's a difference when you're on acid for all those. Yeah. Hours right. There's a good point. Playing, and, uh, and, and that being Frank, said, sober. you probably know. Yeah. He was yeah. anti-drugs. Um, Big time. You were not allowed so, to do drugs in Frank's band. So crazy at the time because, um, yeah, which he didn't stick to that rule very long because he worked with some with some crazy druggies later on. Yep. But like, um, but yeah, like he was he was he was all clean, and uh, you know they were just he just smoked a lot of cigarettes, cigarettes and black coffee, and just and just play for like eight to twelve hours a day. So that that kind of blew me away. Um, I did not know, Fucking so, dude. I will, I would love to be able to do that. Oh my god! And 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 when we were talking about time machines earlier, I do think. Not knowing, I mean, look, I'll, I'll I'll be honest. I've never sat and listened to like an entire Frank Zappa record. I think you may have sent me one or two in the past. You have to, to listen out. to apostrophe. You have okay. to listen to apostrophe. So I'll listen to apostrophe. Here's my thing. I I would want to go back in a time machine and be a fly on the wall and go and like watch the, one of these performances, dude. Because right? they're just they just looked so bananas. And by the way, you'll love this movie because it's it's so much live footage, and there's oh, so yes. much um, there's so many like trippy kind of live footage, like. You know, in these old movies, I always I always go back watching these docs and I go, who the hell was carrying around a camera in 1965 or 66? And they've got all this weird footage of just him hanging out in his kitchen. Right. And like smoking cigarettes and like just like, you know, jumping around on the tour Dude, bus and just being like totally. all weird. Um, I think about that all the time. And, and I have to anytime I watch something like that or even yeah. like the 
<clears throat> we were talking about it a little bit earlier. I watched that Biggie doc. Mm-hmm. And just even when he was a kid, yes, on the street, in in just like rap battles on the street, just, yep. there were just like people carrying cameras around. And he, I mean, he had his buddy that was doing it all the time. But I, and what I think is, is that when there must be there must be something about that level of genius, yes. that you you can't help but recognize. And then there's always going to be someone around that is also interested in film, right? So it's like yep. you just have to be that level of – you can't just force – be like, hey, you want to follow me around and film me all the time? You have to exude that level of creativity, of genius, to then set, drive someone to the point of wanting to follow you around to do that. Yep, exactly, man. Yeah, I think that's it, you know? Um and again, to the um, to the Bill Wyman doc, it was the same thing. He like he had this like camera, and back then it wasn't you know it's not like we had cell phones where we could just pull it out of our pocket. Like you right. had to carry this damn thing around with you all day. It probably ran on crappy batteries. It probably had to be you know charged and or whatever. Like you know, take the tape out, put new tapes in. Like the whole thing just seems like a really you know cumbersome kind of situation. But the fact that they have all this footage, man, it really blew me away. I mean. Talk about like a soup to nuts doc where it's got everything I want. You know, it's got um, great footage. It's authorized. It's got music. It's got interviews with his wife and old band members. Um, so just really, you know, really. And it, and it goes from the whole thing from when he was born up until, of course, when he passed away in, I think, 93 or something like that. Um, from, yeah. From um, cancer. Cancer. Mm-hmm. Any. Uh, well, I'm sure there was, but any specific gear spotting that yeah. popped out at you yeah it's cool i always thought of him as the sg guy um because i think in the 70s he was playing an sg sgs and lesters yeah but yeah the les paul in the early early stuff when he first started he was playing it looked like a 50s it had like the p90s on it um and the tailpiece and everything yep. so i think it was a uh, he had a gold top that he yeah was, and, and i don't it know if they get into this in the documentary but he mm, was they notorious for he nothing that he played was stock like he tore it all up oh and they didn't ho- get into that hogged out yeah. wood and fucking pickups and switches cool. and all that kind of stuff Very but cool. yeah there is a i would say to me like yeah of course you think of the the roxy sg which you know that had the like the white headstock yep um with the, on the red guitar but to me like when i think frank for some reason i always picture that uh 70s sort of like red burst custom yeah yeah Um, i'm like i think it was maybe on the cover shut up and play your guitar okay yeah i didn't i don't recall seeing that um as much in the movie but again it wasn't a gear movie that that kind of bummed me out a little Mm -hmm. bit about it you know obviously being a total gear nerd having a podcast called gear buds um (laughs) they didn't talk much about gear at all but um oh i did i did think this was really interesting in the in the early 60s like so he didn't start playing he listened to r&b growing up like when he was a teenager his parents never listened to music so he met friends um and i kind of relate to this because my parents were not musical at all and so you know you just you kind of pick up whatever music your friends are listening to at the time and uh he never wrote a rock and roll song until he was like in his 20s and when he was in his early 20s and like the i guess it was the early 60s he moved into a completely furnished recording studio uh, there was no running water and there was no kitchen. There was no nothing. Like, I think it had a toilet and then it was like, there was no shower or bath or anything, but it was a completely furnished studio. So he bought a guitar and he was able to record and like learn how like tape machines work and learn how like boards worked and all this wow. stuff. So I'm kind of like, what, who the hell just like up and leaves a studio, you know, like, yeah, that. right. Um, but it was in LA and it was, or near LA, I guess. And, and I'll uh, take it. he just moved. Yeah, he moved in there. And that's kind of where he got the start to really get inspired to start writing, um, you know, actual songs, if you want to call him that, because there are some yeah. there are some wacky songs. Oh, and speaking of Steve Vai, he played with him from 80 to 81. I didn't know. That's that. right. Um, and Steve Vai had a did, great. Did quote. he tell the did he tell the story about how he got in the band? No, no, he didn't. I don't he, think. Uh, there's a there's a famous like Vai was at Berkeley at the time. <clears throat> and there's a famous. Zappa song called the black page. Yes, he did. Okay. He talked about the black page. So you did talk about the black page, how he, ba- he somehow, I don't remember how he somehow got Frank Zappa's phone number. Yeah. Uh, and he would just like call him You're once right. a year and then he calls him the one time and he's like, okay, uh, send me what is it? it was like send me send me a, a tape of you playing the black page as fast as you can or something yeah. like that yeah so that he did and then he got in the band he said there was some Steve Vai quote in it um because he's interviewed in the movie and he said, uh, he called it, I'm totally going to fuck this up, but it's like, he called it a polyrhythmic notation, something, something. And it was on the forefront of innovation. So he just thought, basically he said black page was like one of the most amazing things he's ever heard in his entire it's life. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I, oh, and then, um, 
one of the uh, one of the women who was in the band. She was a percussionist. I forget her name now. Oh fuck, I can't think of the uh, the marimba player. And she's amazing, killing dude. me that I in vibes. Yeah, she's. I mean, she is. So many of her parts are at the center of yeah quintessential Zappa. She was she was going to Juilliard at the time, and like she got in trouble at Juilliard because she went into the piano room. I guess they had separate rooms for all the different you know orchestral instruments and everything. And she went into the piano room to just like play around, and like a security guard came in and they like kicked her out of school for it. No way. Yeah. Like they were that hardcore there. She goes, she goes, I don't want to just sit here and like play a triangle, you know, three notes in an hour long, you know, uh, set or anything like that. She's like, I want to be more than this. And Mm -hmm. that's when she saw him, uh, she saw Frank Zappa perform. And then she like basically went up to him and was like, Hey, I want to like join your band. Like everybody who ever kind of joined his band were people who were fans of him. And that was the crazy thing. Um, and, uh, kind of have to be to, to put yourself into that grueling yeah. scenario right yeah because i mean yeah they made money and they were always touring they knew what working, they were getting like, into they yeah. weren't a pop group you know they didn't mm-hmm. have hits no not at all um and uh and, and one more thing i thought was kind of funny too just mm-hmm. to kind of speak on on how uh, legendary he was he moved back to laurel canyon like right around mm-hmm. that time that the whole late 60s laurel canyon thing was going on with the mansons i guess they lived behind the manson house or manson house moved in behind them no way they had a they had a cabin like in the woods and like i guess like 10 feet away was their property line and like those people would just be walking by like you know it, all zombied out in the morning Crazy. and shit like that so that was kind of interesting but they used to have rock stars come over to their house to party and everybody wanted to meet frank zappa so i never realized like i knew he was a genius and i know like nowadays especially after he passed away people always look back and they go wow yeah he was really a legend but like in the late 60s he was a legend so That's that crazy. was I, d- that, I didn't know that at all yeah dude yeah like people would come over like you know, fucking like Jeff Beck and like Jim Morrison and like people, all these people wanted to meet him. So it was just, you know, Jimi Hendrix, of course, is on the cover of one of the records, um, you know, in the the record where they do the Sgt. Pepper's uh, reenactment. Oh, they reenact um, the Sgt. Pepper's cover. I forget the name of the record, but they were talking uh, about that. And Jimi Hendrix is, was at that photo shoot. That was still in New York. When no they way. There. Really? Yeah. He's on the he's on that cover. Um, he's off to the right, I think, or something. Dude, like, I can yeah. picture the cover in my head, and I can't come up with the name of it right now. It's really bothering me. That's and he so he called the Beatles because uh, he called Paul McCartney, and he was like, "Hey, I just want to let you know, like, uh, they were on Warner Brothers or something at the time." And he's like, "Or they were afraid Warner Brothers was going to sue their record label." Uh-huh. And he was like, um, "He was like, hey, you know, like, I just want to make sure, you know, we're not going to get sued. Are you are you cool, Paul? Are you cool with us using this?" And Paul's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "We don't handle any of the business stuff." And Frank's like, wait, what? He's like, I handle all the business stuff. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, Paul McCartney, he was like, they're in another world, man. All these guys do is they play their music and then they let their managers handle everything where I was handling all this legal bullshit and everything. So uh, I thought that was really interesting too. So yeah, man. All right. Give it, give us a wrap. Uh, I give you, Zappa. Uh, what's your, what's your rank? Zappa. I got to give it a strong, man. I, I'm going to, I'm going to raise it up, dude. I'm giving it a nine out of 10 iconic mustaches. Uh, oh, wow. for, for the Zappa doc. I had an 8.5 and the more I talked about it, mm-hmm. the more I kind of got excited about it. Similar to, Dude, to iconic push broom. No kidding. I mean, that guy uh, just yeah. like, facial hair that you die for. Yeah. I mean, you can see a silhouette of his, of his mustache and you know exactly who it is like on a tattoo. No or question. Something. It's crazy. So. I would get a Zappa. If I could grow a Zappa, I'd have a Zappa. And Dude. he, because it was also the strong soul patch that went with it. Yes, indeed. And then, and the, and the nose fit really nicely too. So yeah, man. Yeah, he, uh, he had a photogenic – he wasn't a handsome man, no. but he had a very interesting Super face that looked good on camera. Yep, yeah. it really did. Yeah, so – yeah, man, if you, if you don't watch that this weekend and get back to me, I'm going to be really disappointed because I know I know okay. you'll love it. The whole time I'm watching it, I was like, man, Henry should be watching this weekend right. or something. I'm, so. I'm going to do it. I Well, because I had sort of pressed – I was going to do it, and then we sort of said maybe we would do like a group Dave's doc, but here we are, and I'm glad you did it. And Hell yeah. I can't wait to watch it and uh, give you my feedback because I'm right, going to love so much about it. Let's uh let's, let's get ahead. I mean, we've got a little bit to cover here in future gear. I mean, a uh, couple things to talk about. Uh, you know, this first thing I want to get into here. Well, for you know what, before we do that, <clears throat> and this is all, this is all going to feed into itself, I think. But uh, you know, made a couple gear acquisitions this week, so might as well talk about them real Ooh. fast. The uh, Dodfather collection has grown uh, <laughs> oh. by one. As yesterday, my uh, FX thirty five uh, Octo Plus octave pedal arrived. Okay. Uh, that is another one where I, you know, did my, my usual reverb thing where I'm just been looking, decide I want one, find what I find to be the cheapest one in the best condition that I'll ha- tolerate and then offer a lower offer. And, and lo and behold, they, they accepted it. Nice. Uh, so, and I'm now up to five and it, dude, it honestly sounds really good. Uh, it's, it's so simple too. And, and I've never had, 
I've never had an octopedal this specifically simple, but it does exactly what I want in that it's got three knobs, one tone, and, and all the tone does is affect the octave mm-hmm. knob. Like so, there's a dry blend or, or a dry level, so you oh, can control how much of your dry signal comes through. So, you know, I set that at unity gain, basically. Like turn the pedal off, see how loud it is, turn it back on, get the that knob up to the same level as it is off, and then right. you have your your low octave blend, and it's just one octave down. The most simple. Modifying See, I'm all about it. simple pedals, man. That's that's you would that's love great. this pedal. I I have since, of course, read things on the internet about it, and everyone agrees that it it is really cool on guitar and it does a super cool thing. But um, I think it is just like the unsung bass octave because no you can keep your full dry signal right there, man, yep. and then just blend in that low sub, wow. and you still keep all the bottom. It doesn't it doesn't do the thing where like you all of a sudden disappear. Or yep. it, and and also it doesn't do the thing where I don't like about octave pedals where you you turn it on and it's just like so much louder. There's so much yep. more level. You can really tailor it so that yeah, if you want it to be a boost when you turn it on, you can. But or you can just turn it you on so just that it truly is simply just, just go low octave. That's yeah. amazing. Does it go it's high on, too, it or does really it good. only go low? It's all it is is a low octave. That's okay, all cool. it is. I mean, we're talking about the eighties here. Yeah, you know? that's so right. It's, and Fair it's an enough. analog pedal, so it is. It is just a low octave with with the dry blend. And the nice thing about the dry blend too is that, again, if you want and you're going, especially if you're going into a tube amp. Because you can go above unity gain, you can actually get some boost out of it too. So it, again, it doesn't just have to be just like the simplest delay or simplest oct- octave pedal. But that's mm-hmm. really what I like about it. It's just like dead simple, sounds great. But if you play like really fucked up, distorted chords through it, it will glitch out too, which I think is a feature, not a bug. Like I like that sound. Uh, if I want <laughs> yeah, like perfect, yeah. perfect tracking. You know, use a pog or something like that. Right. Uh, this right. is this is just like again, awesome on guitar. I think it sounds really good. I think you would. Die to have Dude, I got it. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure maybe I can scoop up it. Like, would you pay for that one? Do you mind saying? Um, you know, we're, I, we're going to drive the market exactly. up on these things. I, think. I know. Yeah. I don't, I, that's the thing. I don't want to, I don't want to do that, but less than what they're going. I, I paid at least 20 to $30 less than what the cheapest one is right okay. now on there. So cool. the deals can be had. Yeah. Um, uh, and, 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 and really, okay. Wait, before we do that, I got another piece of gear. Might as well talk about that too, right? Uh, and this one I actually have you to thank for because okay. you sent me the listing for it. And that is for my new 2x12 cabinet. Oh, yes. Wait, wait. Before we get out of uh, Dodd World, mm. yes. uh, did we shout out your friend last week? Uh, our, we did not. New, I'm going to wait. I'm going to I'm going to wait until it arrives. We're going to do a full a full reveal okay. of when that happens. So now okay. we have not, but that is en route in the mail. Rest cool. assured, there Very is cool. there is more. Uh, there will be a Dodfather update, uh, perhaps next week. As well, <laughs> okay, depending on customs and all that kind of shit. Carry on. Uh, thank you. I will. Uh, th- I got a new cab, man, and I have again you to thank for it because you sent me the listing. It seemed pretty cool to me, man. It's and it is, and um, so uh, for those keeping track, I I already have too many two by twelve cabinets. That's yeah. okay because now I have an orange, orange brand, two by twelve cabinet that is special for a couple of reasons. One, because it is semi open back, mm-hmm. uh, which I only have closed back two by twelve cabinets, so that in itself is a, a new feature. But really, the the main thing is that somebody took the time to recover the entire cabinet in flower floral wallpaper. Whoa. Yeah. So how did it turn out? Because we, we saw the photos of it and we, we thought like it's either going to be cool if it's really shitty or if it's like really well done. Is it? It's really well done. Wow. Uh, I don't really know how exactly uh, it, because, you know, it, it's it's done to the point where they actually they replace the grill cloth as well. The These calves normally had like a, a tan basket weave and they replace the grill cloth with black. Mm hmm. But uh, in the and, and it's covered super tight and well. I mean, it, it also appears like someone actually gigged with this a little bit. So there is a there's some bumps and bruises on there, like any cab would have. Uh, but the actual job of applying the wallpaper is fucking bonkers. Mm-hmm. And I know that it is what it you know is was traded to me as because it still has the original orange uh, jack plate on the back where mm-hmm. you, you know you because it doesn't have the badges on the front either. This was like a full aesthetic makeover. I love it. I. Yeah, dude, I think it's so and then it's cool. got the j- orange jacks in the back, and then uh, you can see inside the cab they didn't wallpaper all the way inside too, so you can see some of the orange Tolex still there. So they didn't remove the original Tolex; they dude. went over over the the original Tolex. But honestly, I would never change it. I think it looks so fucking cool. The only thing that I've been thinking it about looks is so that so cool. 
because it doesn't have the original orange badge, uh, I would like to mm-hmm. custom make something, perhaps a play on the original. Or- well, actually, it's two Ooh. badges. You know, when you think about, it, there's like the like the shield, and then there's the orange word underneath it. The crest. So we've got some yeah. options. The cr- exactly. And um, you know so, what would look yeah. cool mm. is if you um, if it, is if it said flower instead of orange, but like Ooh. in all the same like because like, you can totally download that orange font. You can, yeah, they have a font. Somebody create like recreated. All right, Stingray, it. let's get on this shit, buddy. <laughs> I know you've got that three D printer and CNC and all that stuff, so let's let's make it happen. Maybe I can, um, uh, maybe I can find some time to design it up for you and have Stingy uh, uh, print it out. So that would be, cool. be lovely. Group the uh, the other the, a couple other things to say about really fast though. Um, it's got weird ass speakers that I've never heard of by some STS brand, which, as far as I can tell, make loud like uh, public address loud. So it's not the em- what do they put eminence usually in there? Typically, it's vintage thirties or vintage slash and vintage thirties right. uh, because this is one of the newer ones, I, and it's not. This is not an or- old orange cab. This is definitely from within, you know, the past five ten years. Okay, yeah. Um, but so they somebody swapped the speakers out. That wasn't a big deal to me because I uh, speakers are the easiest thing to change, and I you know have extras already that that I like that I could throw in there. I'm I'm happy with how they sound, sort of surprisingly. Yeah, um, it almost makes it more unique when it has di- you know what you're not expecting exactly. You know, it's already yeah. got the the crazy you know covering. It might as well have right. some different speakers in it. You know. Well, I've just been using it at home with the amps that I have here. I haven't um, used it over at the space yet, so I don't know okay. what all of my normal amps sound like through it yet. But I'll, I'll say that the the sort of the other reason that I'm excited about it is that it was a straight up deal, uh, trade deal. There was no cash yeah. involved. The dude nice. wanted a, a, a rack piece of gear that I got and never, you know, I tested it and made sure it worked, but it was just sort mm-hmm. of like accidental acquisition uh so the fact that i was able to just do a straight up trade and he was just in logan square you know right right down the street um it was a pretty sweet deal man i'm very excited about it hell yeah man especially uh, because i mean as we know if i wanted to just buy an orange 212 cab right now dude, they're the like way the market is, bucks aren't they i mean they're yeah crazy. they're they're very expensive and um it's almost like that is exactly what I wanted to talk about next. And that uh, we, we not to not to beat the dead horse here, but yeah. I read an article in Bloomberg this week. Wow! Uh, and uh, about the gear market, so I was like, "Whoa, this is this people outside of just our little our little bubble of yeah. guitar nerds are are for some reason paying attention to this." And it turns out they're paying attention because there's billions of dollars. So we're not going crazy. And it's right like now. I asked, uh, like we're I asked not Henry, going crazy. Henry, our guest last week, I was like. Mm-hmm. You know, Bonfire Vintage, check them out on Reverb. It's oh my God, we haven't gear. said that yet. That episode was so fucking That was good, one of my favorite we've had crap. in a while. Not to, not oh to dog God. any past guests, but like that was no, so that fun. Was so I was good. grinning ear to ear the whole time. Yeah. Uh, what a good guy. But yeah, um, I asked him because he deals with buying and selling. And I'm like, am I going crazy or is the market just ceiling, ceiling high right now? And he said, no, you're not going crazy. So what? What is going on, Henry? Can you Well, so what's going on, man? Well, we're we're not we're not going crazy. Uh they First of all, let me say that for a Bloomberg article, they did get into it like a surprising level of depth. There mm-hmm. were some things where it was kind of like, mm, yeah, okay, I know, like uh, grin and grin and nod, like obviously, you know, we're not the exact target audience for this article, but there were some, there was some depth in there. Anyways, they talked um to people from Sweetwater, Fender, Reverb, all sorts of different folks, uh, Josh, okay. Josh Scott from GHS, and apparently uh, last year Sweetwater had record all-time sales. They did over a billion dollars. Fender added over 900,000 users on their play app. So quarantine, lockdown, people are buying gear. Makes people sense. People are trying to learn stuff. Mm-hmm. Reverb, I can't remember their CEO's name, um, was talking about how they, they've specifically witnessed a boom in living room type gear, you know, little mixers and drum machines and microphones and computer interfaces and things that we can not, in other words, not like uh, giant, uh, uh, analog drum kits and PA systems and stuff like right. that. Like yeah. it's been stuff that we have at home and can, right. can learn in home. That makes sense. Uh, it was, it was, and you know, th- and really the point is that everything's at top dollar right now, which we've been noticing. It was pretty funny for me to see what I just like the normies of the world, how they look at the stupid shit we do. Like yeah. one of the examples they gave was people that um, l- there was a listing. They should, you know, link to a reverb listing for someone selling uh, screws from a 51 Esquire for $650. Okay. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I, you know, 
I know that those screws aren't worth $650. The yeah. point is that if you have a 51 Esquire and you're trying to make it fully complete, someone will pay the money for those. But yeah. that's, the article made it seem like it was more about the tone. And there is not a single person on earth who buys 51 Esquire screws for the no. tone. It's for the completion, complete nature it's of the guitar. not people we hang out with. No, that's for sure. Um, well, and it, you know, and that's also what somebody's asking. I mean, just because someone's asking, you know, a hundred grand on a, a 65 Strat or something doesn't make it worth that technically. So, you know, absolutely not. Yeah. But people are spending. I guess that that is the thing too. Is when you look at the soul listings, people are spending that much. It is fucking wild. Yeah. Um, they talk, Josh Scott was, talk, you know, from GHS was talking about how they doubled production last year. Like they literally have had to double their production because so many people are buying pedals. Pedals make a lot of sense when you think about this yep. sort of thing too, because it's this sort of like small, uh, somewhat inexpensive building block, right? Mm-hmm, right. That can make a huge difference. And yep. he even, you know, something that I've belly ached about on this show is how he was doing the how he listed that the first clone for five hundred thousand yeah. dollars on. Re- Reverb and they actually get into that in the episode and or in the episode in the article, right? And uh, and he and he does address the fact that it, it was sort of just trying to take the piss from the fact that there is this weird bubble going on right now. And, yeah. and it turns out when he first listed it, someone in Europe bought it, like someone used their American Express card to purchase it, but then you know <laughs> he canceled the order. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Ooh. But they, you know, they they talk about that. They get into dumbles and clons and stuff like that a little bit. That's and just interesting. Like so it's absurdity. not just like you know, stuff is expensive. End of article. Like they get into like the details. It was like stuff is expensive, bit. but also like here's some of the crazy stuff. They didn't get into bursts, uh, mm-hmm. which is you know is its own thing, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I like it, it was in some ways, I don't want to say edifying, but it felt like if if. Our little podcast is is still doing it, and we've got a hundred episodes. And then, you know, at the same time, giant publications are taking notice of this yeah. gear, of the gear industry. And the shit we're actually talking uh, about, That's and the crazy. shit that we're actually talking about, it's kind of like, oh wow, there. It, this is there. Maybe there is some sort of uh, relevance to what we're doing beyond just like the, you know, a few thousand people who listen to this or whatever. Well, as, as exciting as it all is, um, and if we can will this into existence, like we've willed everything else, uh, let's will these prices to come down a little bit, so uh, so your boy <laughs> can get an SG someday soon, and. Uh, we can figure it out because um, oh, dude, it's it, it, it. That's the thing. Like any market, it's gonna happen. You well, know, you know, it's like once once people are are don't yeah. have to be in our living rooms anymore, right. then um, or they're gonna start selling the stuff they bought and they put it in a closet and didn't play it for a year or something like that. I predict in another year it's gonna start coming back down. One that's year is your. Are you, do you my, think it's gonna be? It's my do you think it's gonna be everything, or do you think we're gonna start seeing? Um, I think the, like uh, guitars. I think people who like you know say there was like a guy who wanted to spend two grand on a Les Paul. Because he could afford it, but he doesn't even know how to play. Um, yeah. you know, I know people like that. And uh-huh. uh, they'll put it in their closet and then they'll go, ah, I can sell this for what I paid for it or maybe a little less or whatever. Or, you know, you kind of forget about a couple hundred bucks after a year and you just take a hit on something like that. Some some people are are more you know inclined, not like guys like us who collect. Yeah, especially you know. when you buy high at a yeah. right now when everyone else is buying. That's just um, how it goes. I will say this, because uh, and I don't know if we've talked about it, and I don't know how serious you are or were, but you were kind of like, hey, you know, I think I kind of want a Strat. And I, I, I specifically remember... It was a fleeting feeling. It was a... Pa- yeah, it, was, it goes in passing. Look, I, we do this. This is how we keep each other entertained. We, we text right. and send... Well, you know, that when, when someone says that to me, it always just sticks in the back of my mind. So, like, not like I'm looking for a Strat for you, but, I'm, sure, you know, it's part course. of my feed anyways. And I'm looking at strap prices now, dude, and they are through the gash dang roof, man. We were talking about how they were the thing that seemed to be immune that the yes. strats hadn't gone up yet. Strats and even like um even like mid eighties like telecasters, like the even the base ones, not like the reissue stuff, but like yeah. you know, some of the MIJ like base stuff, standard models. You know, because we were talking with Stingray about it uh, maybe a couple months ago and he's like, Oh, I'd love to get an old telly and like, you know, do this and that to it. And um you know, you know, next thing I know, now you can't find an MIJ Telecaster for under a thousand dollars on on reverb. It's crazy, dude. So so crazy. the strat, I mean, you know, you really can't even find a cheap strat anymore. It's wild, man. So you know, we'll see what happens. Well, man. this this whole thing and 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 uh, yeah, and it really got me. And you and I, we've talked about this a bit recently as well, and off the air and that sort of thing. But it really, as we as we sit here in, in this one hundredth episode and, and reach, you know, sort of the the end of the episode and and th- thinking back on on what we've not only just like the last 100 episodes but kind of like our journeys as collectors and what mm-hmm. it means to be a collector i don't know i've been feeling sort of um nostalgic and and really thoughtful on my own personal gear journey and and even why like what what it means to be a collector and it's 
I sometimes I feel a little sad about it, man. I'm gonna be honest because and this what is this mean? is what we're well, this is what we're talking about, and mm-hmm. it's like we, you and I, we I, I think, it, and I feel confident saying this as collectors, or if we want to call ourselves that, we we come from a place of a, a few different a few different angles. It has never been the the sort of thing we're talking about where it's like you acquire it to participate in capitalism and I want to buy low and sure. sell high or something like that. We, we became it's a bonus if you do score something for a really of good course. Price. Yeah. 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 If you're going to ever sell it. Right. But I think the thing is, is that a lot of times the reason that I got into collecting to begin with, uh, and, and it was it didn't start with instruments. I've, I've kind of had that in me in a, as a kid, you know, baseball cards and that sort of stuff. Like I've always sort of wanted to, to, I've really related to this idea of being able, being able to participate in one of my passions, something that I care about and love, the something mm-hmm. that I have this impassion for, this pure thing, and and just having a physical token to 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 participate in that. Music is great too because the reason I love gear so much is that it's not just about the it's not just about the object itself. There's mm-hmm. a lot of cool stuff with it, but it, the object is is in use. You, you can use make it, art you with use it. it to create. It's, mm-hmm. it, it is a tool that then allows me to do the thing that I love most. Yeah. And I, the reason that I started feeling sad is that, is that I do see this a lot. And especially with the way that the market has risen, mm-hmm. it does feel like this weird, this another form of rich people capitalism where the few at the top can really just buy everything up in mass and then just right. dole it out to the rest of us pours at a huge fucking markup. Yeah. And, 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 it, and, and they've taken this thing or the, the market or whatever, this unseen force has taken this thing that we that we approach for what I find to be, I don't know, noble reasons or 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 le- or, or I don't want to use the word ethical, uh, just re- reasons that come from purity of, of love and passion for this thing that we do uh, to then have to compete against the forces of capitalism kind of sucks. And just uh, I don't have any answers or solutions. I'm yeah. mostly just kind of commenting. Uh, commenting on the fact that it makes me feel a little sad. I agree with you. Um, you know, that it does suck, and especially when it takes away. I guess there's a line because there's obviously like, I'm not going to go buy a, a $20,000 Strat, you know, 65 Strat, like we were saying, custom color mm-hmm. or whatever. Now, if, if somebody wants to buy that for 20000 who can afford it, and they want to try to sell it for twenty five, I guess that's, you know, that's that's kind of more or less what you're talking about, I guess. But just for the pure fact of investment and, right. and that's, but that is a whole different ball game. I, I, that's, that is rarefied error that very few people participate in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the people that do usually have a bunch of those guitars already. And that's that they're kind of just, honestly, it's a bunch of dudes, mostly dudes swapping these guitars back and forth to each yeah. other. I, I really don't have any issue with that. I think the problem is that when we're talking about like a, a simple pair of ribbon microphones that okay. used to be a thousand dollars that are now twenty five hundred dollars, yeah. or or a fuzz pedal that used to be two hundred dollars that's now eight hundred dollars, or, or things like that. Where it's just this weird thing where it's like, okay, all of a sudden I notice that there's this blip in the market, and then mm-hmm. I'm going to try to jump on that and and capitalize on it. Again, I, I recognize that that's somebody's right. I don't think that they're inherently wrong for doing that, but knowing that. I care so much about this thing because of completely different reasons. That's just sort of what I, I feel think, myself coming back to. I, yeah. I think that's really interesting, man. I'm, and I, it makes me think more into this. Like, do you think, what percentage of it do you think? Cause I don't think a collector, you've got to really be into like, let's say ribbon microphones, for example, you've got to know what you're getting and be somewhat into the, into recording. I would assume to just know that you can buy a pair of ribbon mics and they'll be worth another thousand dollars in a year. Or if the market goes up, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there, there is certainly some expertise involved. I don't think it's just as simple as data inputs, but mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of that. I think it's yeah. very, it, I mean, I know that it's very easy to take the data on reverb and, look at that and see sure, and look, sure. look for trends and say like, okay, well, I know that this is it's a market. as a whole, this entire market selling like this, this particular mar- item selling like this right now, stick with the hot item. Interesting. But yeah, if you're someone that does have a depth of knowledge, you could. Yeah. And again, I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with making your money selling gear. Right. Like if you, if you know how to sniff out cheap stuff and then sell it at a profit, that's, that's totally fine. But when it comes down to the, the collection aspect of it, yeah. this, perversion of our our this thing that we've dedicated a hundred episodes to 
Um, I don't know. Right. Just, no, I, I dude, it, I, it I, makes I, me question myself as well. Like, why do I, why do I feel the need to have these things or use well, these things? Because I, I collect things beyond just guitars and whatever too. Yeah. Yeah. If, if people don't know, you're a total nerd. We all, you know, we yeah. know that. But, uh, no, I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, I think you have a point. I, I would hope that there's only a 5% of people who buy awesome gear are, are not using it. You know what I, what I would, what I mean? Um, yeah. you know, it's tricky though. Yeah. And then there's a whole thing like, you know, I, I tried when I, when I left my job a couple years ago, I tried to just buy and sell gear and I was looking mm-hmm. for trends in the market and, and it, there were affordable things and there were good deals on things you could get. And what you don't think about though, is that you have to sit on some of this gear for a while. It doesn't just flip itself oh, as no. quickly as you buy it, you know? And that's, and that's the thing where I think it could get frustrating for somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Um, I hope that we could, by by some of this cool stuff, we could weed out some of those types of types of folks. But I do think inherently we're all capitalists in a way, and I think it you know everything's going to just go up in price. You know, I mean nothing's going to ever get cheaper at this point, especially vintage stuff. You know, hopefully, hopefully uh, those Dodfather collection don't <laughs> don't follow suit. Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. And no, I, yeah. I recognize that I'm I'm mostly just sort of. Um, old man yelling at the I agree sky with right you now. too man I actually agree with exactly what you're saying I think it's uh it, it just it, the entire thing preys on those of us courageous enough to have allowed passion into our hearts and and the irony is it's in it's the irony is it's it's in something like music which is not a money maker of its own in in most cases you know what I mean like yeah, music uh, itself doesn't exist. It just it, it, it bounces through the air and then it, it vibrates our eardrums and then it goes away. There's yeah. no physical I, thing to it. Well, and it's crazy because like I, you know, I'm sitting in a room full of guitars right now, and I can look at a guitar and I'm like, that's just a piece of wood with some strings and and wires in it. And at the end of the day, it's up to the person to create something out of that. So you know, it, it, to 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 buy and trade and sell these things without realizing like the potential of something like that is just yeah, it's kind of it's kind of sad. It is, and you know what though? I, I, I before we go, I, 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 as I went on this this journey of self reflection and, and thought about my gear, my gear life, and and where it all stems from, I realized something, and that was I, I remembered my first ever gear swap okay. that I ever did in my life. Nice, and it, was, and it turns out it was my first ever gear deal because when I was about nine years old, I was friends with this dude, and I traded him my Punisher action figure for his pair of drumsticks, and that kicked off the whole thing from wow. like since I was the age of nine. No way. I decided he wanted my Punisher. I wanted his drumsticks. I wish you, I still had those. You didn't sticks. have a set. You just like hit him on a pillow or something like that. I set up. I set up what I just sort of thought drums shape looked like, drum uh-huh. kit looked like, out of pillows on my bed and yep. like sat sort of on the floor and would just bang on them. That's and, awesome. Uh, so you know, I guess the reason the reason I'm sharing that is well, a because I thought of it, and b because even if I want to fight this whole idea of being a collector and I've been working on it, I've been pairing some things back and purging and getting rid of some stuff. But, um, I, you know, I, it's too late, man. Like I, it's just, it's in my blood, it's in my bones. Well, and I think, you know, uh, justifiably so, you know, you're going to use, at least if you flip it, you're going to use it for a little bit before you, uh, decide to sell it. So, you know, I think, you know, you are the best type of collector. Um, so hopefully we see more of those in the future. Oh man, this has been this has been a good one. I'm, yeah, it has. Um, um, thankful for you and for the last hundred, well, frankly, hundred plus episodes. But that's just you know between us and our listeners. <laughs> this is episode one hundred, but it is definitely not the one hundredth episode. Yeah. But uh, you know, just want to say thank thankful for you, man. Thanks you for, too. for doing this with me, and 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 I've learned a lot and grown a lot and gotten better and worse at stuff too. So me here's too, the man. next hundred, buddy. Yeah, here's to the next hundred, man. Let's keep it going. All right, now uh, why don't you go make some music? <laughs>